Listening to this podcast does not create an attorney-client relationship between you and Hardison and Cochran Attorneys at Law. Hardison and Cochran does not accept new clients without first obtaining a signed agreement. The information shared in this podcast is for information purposes and should not be intended or taken as legal advice as to yours or anyone else's legal matter. If you have a legal matter, contact an attorney about your specific set of circumstances. Welcome to the Hardison and Cochran podcast. I'm your host, Bill Campbell. On today's show, we'll be airing an interview with Hardison and Cochran partner and Social Security disability attorney, Blair Beiser. If you're just starting to explore your options, this is a very good interview to listen to as it explains everything from the initial application on. Most importantly, it covers some topics that cause confusion with those seeking disability benefits. Again, following is an interview with Blair Beiser about Social Security disability basics. We hope you enjoy. All right. Uh, tell, tell us a little bit about yourself, Blair. Uh, my, my name is Blair Beiser. I'm a Social Security attorney with Hardison and Cochran. Been with the firm for over 10 years now. Uh, originally graduated from uh, law school at Durham, North Carolina, uh, and have been practicing Social Security disability law again for the last 10 years. Um, this is all I do. I'm a board-certified specialist, uh, certified by the State Bar of North Carolina. Uh, to become a board-certified specialist, you have to uh, have uh, passed a, a pretty intense testing process and also undergo significant peer review um, from your uh, legal peers in the legal field. And so uh, no, that's that's where I am at this point. Okay, now getting into uh, the pra the practice that you do, Social Security law. Um, what is the purpose of Social Security disability benefits? The Social Security disability is a federal federally run program under the Social Security Act. And what most of the people usually think of when they think of Social Security is, is the benefits you get when you retire. There's also another portion of the program called Social Security Disability Insurance. And this program is basically a social program to replace income that an individual loses as a result of a medical impairment that prevents that person from working. And this is what mostly people mostly think of when they think of Social Security Disability. Um, there's also another benefit that's offered under the Social Security Act called Supplemental Security Income, what most people hear is SSI, and that's basically a, a needs-based um, program for providing people with a safety net who may have never worked uh, or were too young to work or became disabled as a child. Um, uh, basically a needs-based program where your basically your income and assets have to fall below a certain level and you also have to be disabled in order to receive those benefits okay and bo both of those uh programs you you mentioned that you you have to be disabled now how does the administration uh define disability so Social Security's definition of disability is probably one of the toughest standards for disability in the world. You've probably heard people say that their doctor has told them that they're disabled or you hear somebody say that they're disabled because they have a, a, a health problem or something like that. But Social Security defines it pretty specifically. And their definition is, is that you're disabled if you have a medically determinable impairment or combination of impairments that's either expected to result in death or will last 12 months or more 
and that prevents you from doing your past work in any other work in significant numbers in the national economy. And that part, that last part, is what people usually don't understand. Uh, because most people think that if they can't do the work they've been doing, then they should be eligible for disability. But the Social Security's definition takes it a step further and says that you have to be unable to do any type of work existing in significant numbers in the national economy. And this includes very simple routine minimum wage type work. And so it's a very tough standard to meet, particularly if you're a younger individual. Okay. Now, what, uh, if, you, if you are eligible, what, what type of benefits are available for the two programs? So, as I said, the, the benefits that are available um, are through Social Security Disability Insurance and Supplemental Security Income. And basically, the benefits that are offered are monthly um, monthly income replacement benefits. So, for Social Security Disability Insurance, the amount of that benefit that you're going to get each month is going to be based off of how much you've paid into Social Security over a period of time. Uh, they used it. I, I always describe it as a very complex average uh, that they use to determine how much um, your uh, your monthly benefits are going to be. But essentially, the more you've paid in, the longer you've paid in, the higher that, that benefit's going to be. Um, and, and you have to have enough paid into Social Security recently enough um, in order to be eligible for that and have enough what we call work credits. Um, now, for SSI, there's a monthly benefit as well, but um, and there's a cap on, on what that is and right now that's a little over $700 a month, but any additional household income, uh, whether earned or unearned, um, has a direct impact on the amount of those SSI benefits. So essentially for every dollar of earned income that your household has, it, it reduces the amount of SSI that, you, that you're eligible for by about 50 cents. Um, and then if you have assets, aside from the value of the place that you live and your car, um, that are worth over $2,000 for an individual or $3,000 for a couple, that's going to push you out of eligibility for SSI. So it's, it's, it's basically the, the safety net, um, and essentially, you still, again, you do still have to be disabled in order to receive that. Okay. In your, in your answer you just had there, you said work credits. What, what does that mean? So when you pay into Social Security, um, Every, each year that you pay in, you can earn up to four credits for that year. Um, and for purposes of Social Security retirement, as long as you've earned enough of those credits over the course of your life, um, you'll be eligible for some amount of retirement benefits, again, depending on how much money you've paid in through the years. Now, for Social Security disability, um, those credits after a period of time will expire. And generally after five years, those credits expire. So once you stop working, uh, if you have a health problem for whatever reason, or if you stop working for non-health related reasons, usually within about five years, your those credits are gonna expire. And so your coverage for receiving disability insurance is gonna expire as well. I always tell clients to think of it as, a, as like a health insurance policy. So that health insurance policy, if you stop paying the premiums, it's going to lapse, and it's going to lapse on a certain date. And if you um, if you get hurt the day after that insurance policy lapses, you're not going to be covered uh, for medical treatment um, after it lapses. And so this is the same thing. If once your once your Social Security uh, work credits expire, 
if you if you become disabled after after they've already expired, then you're not going to be eligible to receive the Social Security disability insurance. Now, you may be eligible to receive SSI if your household income and assets fall below a certain level. Uh, but uh, again, you won't be eligible for the disability insurance if those credits expire. Okay, it's, it sounds like a, a, a lot of the decision re- relies on doctors. Uh, if I don't have the money to go see a doctor, and obviously I can't get his or her opinion, what, what can I do? Well, as part of the Social Security disability determination process, in other words, their process of determining whether or not you're disabled, um, there is the possibility that they send you to consultative examinations, which means they send you out to doctors that uh, contract that they contract with um, for an objective uh, physical and or mental, if, if that's relevant, um, examination. So even if you're not able to see um, uh, doctors on your own, they will send you for those consultative examinations. Now those, those generally, a lot of times those are not ideal because those examinations are very short and sometimes they're not very thorough. Sometimes they can be helpful, but it, it just depends. It's kind of a kind of a hit or miss thing. Um, the other thing that you can do is um, you you can go, particularly if you're having significant excruciating pain or 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 um, a life threatening emergency, you certainly can go to the emergency room. Although that's not ideal because again, you can uh, you can rack up significant costs by doing that. But again, you can at least get a medical document medical documentation. Um, the other thing is there are also um, low cost or sometimes free clinics in your areas. And so the best place to find out if you've got any of those resources in your area would be probably to call Department of Social Services because they're usually going to have those type of resources and the contact information for those resources available. Um, so that would be the first place to start. But you certainly do need to have medical documentation uh, for purposes of proving that you're disabled because, because again, the, the definition of disability under Social Security's regulations states that you have to have a medically determinable impairment. And medically determinable means that a, a doctor or some uh, uh, some medical source has to diagnose you with that condition in order for Social Security to consider it. Okay. When I fill out my application and I, I send it either electronically or, or through the mail, what, what exactly happens? Who's looking at it? What's being determined? Uh, kind of, kind of share what, what's going on that we can't see. So yeah, there are several ways to apply for social security disability. Um, you can do it online. Uh, there's an online portal to file an application for social security disability insurance. You cannot file for SSI uh, that way, but you um, you can also file for social security disability and SSI um, in person at your local social security office. Uh, you can make an application generally sometimes over the phone. And as you said, you can also mail in a paper application um, and do it that way. Essentially what happens after you file that application, it's going to be original, initially processed by your local field office, your local Social Security field office. Uh, and you can find where your local field office is and find the number for Social Security at uh, www.ssa.gov. Um, so after the, the Social Security office gets the initial application in and gets it processed, they then send it to Disability Ter- Determination Services. Uh, and for the state of North Carolina, that facility is located 
in Raleigh. And there it is assigned to a disability examiner and a team of doctors who gather your medical information, send you for consultative examinations if necessary, and evaluate all of your medical evidence um, and determine whether you're disabled under Social Security's rules. And then once they've made that determination, they send it back to the local field office and a, a letter is sent out to you telling you whether you've been approved or whether you've been denied. Okay, um, if I am denied, what what can what what can I do after being denied? So, because this is a federal government program, um, you do have uh, under the Constitution the right of due process um, to uh, to appeal any decision uh, that you do not agree with um, from the Social Security Administration. And so, if you are denied, you do have the right to file an appeal. And the first step of the appeal process with Social Security, if you've been denied on your initial application, is to file what's called a request for reconsideration. Um, and essentially, the request for reconsideration is you telling Social Security you do not agree with the decision and you want them to take another look. And so what happens at that point, your, your case goes back to disability determination services and a different examiner and a different set of doctors reviews your medical evidence, gathers any additional or new evidence that may have occurred since they made their last decision and they come to a new decision. Um, and if, if that is denied, then the next step is to file an appeal called a request for a hearing in which you have a hearing before an, we call an administrative law judge. Um, and that that takes place at, at uh, one of Social Security's offices of disability adjudication and review. And at that point, the judge uh, reviews the evidence, reviews the medical evidence, holds a hearing in which you, the a claimant will go before the judge um, and where there, there may be uh, witnesses who testify um, to certain things. Um, and essentially, the judge makes a completely new determination based on the evidence. Um, as to whether you meet Social Security's definitions of disability. At that point, if a person is still denied uh, after going in front of a judge, uh, the next step is uh, the person would then apply appeal to Social Security's Appeals Council, which is located in Falls Church, Virginia. Um, and at that point, you're basically arguing if you don't agree with the judge's decision, you can't re-argue the facts. You're basically just arguing that the judge made legal error in finding that you were not disabled. In other words, the judge did not apply the law correctly to the facts of your case. Um, if at that point you still, uh, if the appeals counselor agrees with the judge's decisions and you're still denied, then basically you've done every appeal that you can within the Social Security Administration. And uh, once you've done that, then uh, your only option is to file suit against the Social Security Administration in federal court in, in which a federal judge will review Social Security's determination for, for errors of law based on, based on your arguments that you make. Okay, so you, you went basically through the whole uh, pretty much process uh, from initial application to going all the way to federal court uh, if it gets that far. Now, what at what point during that process do you would you say it's a smart play to at least talk to a Social Security disability lawyer? Well, it all depends on your situation. I mean, it, 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 if you don't feel comfortable with dealing with Social Security initially or you just you feel like um, 
you feel like you don't have the the resources or 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 the or the know-how to to deal with social security from the from the beginning there are attorneys uh who 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 will help you file your initial application and our office at Harrison Cochran we do help lots of claimants file their initial application um However, if you feel that you can take on the initial application process by yourself and you're, you're, you're able to do that um, on your own, uh, but you're denied after that first initial application, then it, it's pretty important at that point to go ahead and, and get the assistance of an attorney. Um, the reason for that is, is there's a lot of – it's a very complicated process with a lot of – uh, very technical regulations uh, and social security rulings uh, that that can mandate how mandate the outcome of a case, and the, the attorneys are going to know how to negotiate that process and and what what exactly needs to go on the file and what needs to be shown in order to to get you approved as quickly as possible. Now, the the odds are. Just looking at the national numbers, the likelihood of you being denied on the initial applications and the earlier appeal stages are are pretty high. But the attorney's going to be able, even the attorney's going to be able to put you in the best possible position to get approved at as early point as possible. Okay, and then sticking with um, the process, the hearing. I know from you know running the website for Hardison and Cochran that one of our most popular pages for social security disability specifically is an explanation of the hearing, what it's like. Um, and you can go to the website and look at that, but, uh, in your own words, can you explain what the hearing's like? Sure. So the hearing is, um, a lot of people, when they go to hearing, they, they talk about they're going to be going to court. Well, it, it's not really a usual, uh, your typical court, uh, courtroom setting that you, that you'd see on a TV legal drama like LA, Law or any of the or any of those that um, that you've seen over the years, it's not you're you're not really going into a big courtroom setting like that. These um, these hearing rooms are fairly small uh, meeting rooms. You're not going to be in a big oak paneled room with a bunch of people watching what's going on. These are very private hearings. Um, usually, the hearing offices are in just regular office buildings. Um, and, uh, when you go in, uh, it is a federal office. So you, you, you have to go through security screenings and everything like that before you go in the building. But once you go in and sit down, it's a, it's a fairly, um, laid back process. Um, uh, it, and obviously it's going to be a process that you're going to have some anxiety with because you've never been through it before, but, um, but it is a fairly informal process. Um, you go into the hearing room, and basically you're you're going to be sitting at a table in front of a judge. The judge is going to be sitting usually behind a raised desk. Um, some ju- some judges wear robes. Some judges choose not to wear robes. It's not a requirement. Um, but um, you you will be sitting in front of this judge uh, with a microphone on the table in front of you that's going to be recording everything. Um, usually there's also a couple other people in the room besides the judge, the attorney, and the claimant. Um, usually there's a hearing reporter that's taking notes and making a recording of everything. And usually there's also another person in the room called a vocational expert. And a vocational expert is essentially a jobs expert and is usually there for, for two reasons. And that is to classify the work you've done in your uh, 
in your past um, because the type of work that you've done, that Social Security has to determine whether you can go back and do that type of work or not. And then they also are there to answer questions from the judge and from the claimant's attorney or from the claimant themselves about um, about how their physical and mental limitations affect the availability of jobs in the national economy. Because again, Social Security, in order to find that you're not disabled, has to show that there are significant numbers of jobs in the national economy that you could do even if you couldn't go back and do your past work. So the vocational expert is in there for that reason. Um, generally, the hearings last about, uh, on average, 45 minutes to an hour. Um, generally, uh, the judge asks questions. The uh, claimant's attorney asks questions. Uh, both the claimant and the vocational expert. Um, generally, a decision is not given on the day of the hearing. It's very rare that a judge gives a decision at, on the day of the hearing. Usually, the judge sends the decision out in writing, usually within 30 to 60 days after the hearing. Um, and then that's, that decision will tell you whether the, the judge is finding in your favor or, or not in your favor. Okay, and the last question for you today, and uh, th this is one I, I think has a lot is a lot of confusion with people uh, after they've after they've gotten their benefits, are people allowed to earn money? People are under limited circumstances allowed to earn a limited amount of money um, after they've started receiving benefits. Um, Part of the definition of Social Security is that you're not able to engage in substantial gainful activity. Um, so Social Security has a has a bright line number for what substantial gainful activity is based on a person's monthly income. And for for this year, for 2017, that number is uh, $1,170 a month of gross earnings. So if a person is working and earning uh, – Eleven seventy a month before taxes are taken out, um, then they're considered to be engaged in substantial gainful activity. And if you're receiving benefits, um, there are some work uh, return to work uh, incentives, such as the trial work period. So a person who's receiving disability can uh, say they want to attempt to try to go back to work, but they're afraid of maybe losing their benefits altogether if they go back and they're not able to successfully return after a few months. So there's a, this trial work period that uh, you can return to work at the SGA level for nine months and still continue to receive your ongoing full disability payment while working and earning above that substantial gainful activity level amount. Um, after that nine months, if you continue to work at that level, then you're no longer eligible for your ongoing benefits um, and the benefits will be discontinued. Um, that aside, uh, people can continue to work on a limited part-time basis, and if the, that part-time work is the most that they're physically physically capable of, and they're still earning below that SGA substantial gainful activity amount, then yes, they can continue to receive their ongoing benefits, even though they're doing limited part-time work. However, the caveat, uh, an exception to that, is, is that any type of work activity that you do can be used to evaluate whether your disability is continuing. So, because once you receive Social Security disability, that you're not on it forever. Social Security will review your case every few years, uh, particularly if you're a younger individual, 
uh, to determine whether you've made any improvements uh, medically to determine whether you can return to work. And so any type of ongoing work activity, even if it's just part-time, can be used in an evaluation along with evaluation of medical evidence and other factors to determine whether you're still disabled. So you do want to be careful of and, and mindful of that uh, as if you're receiving Social Security disability benefits. Okay, and that's all the questions I have for you today. Before you get off the phone, I want you to tell everybody where, where you're at right now. I'm currently in Washington, D.C. at a um, conference. It's a conference for the National Organization of Social Security Claimants Representatives. It's it's the largest, um, and it basically is the nationwide organization of the claimants' representatives and attorneys uh, who represent people before the Social Security Administration usually have these conferences twice a year. Um, and I've been a member of this organization since around 2006. Once again, that was Hardison and Cochran Social Security Disability Attorney Blair Bowser joining us and answering questions about Social Security Disability Basics. And we certainly appreciate Blair joining us all the way from Washington, D.C. Now, if you have any questions about disability, Blair would be more than happy to answer them for you. To get in touch with Blair, just go to LawyerNC.com and submit your questions. And we appreciate you listening to the Hardison and Cochran Podcast, and we hope you have a great day. Mm-hmm.